14 and 15. 15 has a one line purport. And in honor of Sri Dhirodhata Prabhu, if it has only one line purport, still that's what we go with. <laughs> so that's the law now. Text number 14. I'll read the Sanskrit. Tani chai kai kashyak shrashtum shrashtum asamarthani bautikam sanghatya thaiva yogena haimam andam ajashrijam ajashrijam Shri Prabhupada's translation. Separately unable to produce the material universe, they combined with the help of the energy of the Supreme Lord and were able to produce, produce a shining egg. This is Maitreya Muni describing certain things that Vidura wanted explained. Anybody remember what Vidura was asking about? Yeah, he was asking about the Pajapatis. How did that work? And did they create according to Brahmada's order, or did they do something separately? How did they evolve the, the universe? So Maitreya said, when the equilibrium of the combination of three when the equilib equilibrium of the combination of three modes of nature was agitated by the unseen activity of whose unseen activity caused agitation of the modes of nature that originally started things. Unseen, this is kind of interesting. Because we could say that the Lord was the origin of, you know, we say, Bhagavad Gita says Krishna is the origin of everything. And he is. He origin origin the living entities. But the living entities, unseen activities, agitated them, caused the agitation of the modes of nature, which brought about the, the uh, creation of as Sureshwar Prabhu was saying, this prison house the other day. There's no need for a prison house here for us to come to, but by the unseen activities of the living entity, things happen. So, in the equilibrium of the combination of three modes was agitated by Mahavishnu and by the force of time, also by Mahavishnu and the force of time, the total material elements were produced. So Mahavishnu is also named in there as unseen activity. So everything relates to Govinda, Krishna, some way or another. It has to. <coughs> and by the force of time. Then we heard, as impelled by the destiny of the jiva, the false ego, which is of three kinds, evolved from the Mahatadva, in which the element of rajas predominates from the ego in turn involved in many groups of five principles. <coughs> it says there in, in there that the ego <coughs> has three parts. What was that? I don't see it right now, but it said, right? you remember that? Anybody remember saying the ego has three parts? Where was that? Yeah, what those three parts were, but it said that 
that the ego has the three parts. <coughs> thought that was good what Suresh for probably his idea was. That um, that could mean that karma, karma, the idea for fruitive activities, that type of ego. People come here and they're bound by fruitive act, fruitive mentality to work for some result for enjoyment. Or Gani mentality, they're living for, you know, to figure out mentally what what this world's all about, why they're here, why they're working, how to work less. Um, and then the yogis above that who are trying for, uh, um, to see this Supreme Lord manifested in the heart form, form of Vishnu and to attain powers over the material energy from that meditation. Mm. Three types of false ego. And then you come to the real ego, which is the desire to serve the Supreme Lord, the person, purely. So text number 14, separately, this is what I read, separately unable to produce the material universe, they combined with the help the energy of the Supreme Lord and were able to produce a shining egg. It's kind of interesting. Well, um, in that verse, I read the Sanskrit, Haimam means shining like gold. Srila Prabhupada says, shining like gold, a little golden egg, shining. Now, the present verse, I'll read the Sanskrit. So, shayashtabhi, Shayashtabdhi Salile Andakosho Niratmakaha Sagram by Varsha Sahasram Anbhavatsitam Ishvaraha We'll go through the word meanings in case people want to know. Saha It Avishyashta I'm sorry, Ashayashta Shayishta means lay. Abdhi Salile on the waters of the causal ocean. Andakoshaha egg. Niratmakaha in the unconscious state. Sagram. I'm sorry, Sagram. A little more than. Vai, in fact. Varsha Sahasram, a thousand years. Anvavasit, became situated. Tam, in the egg. Ishvara, the Lord. Translation by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. For over 1,000 years, the shiny egg lay on the waters of the causal ocean in the lifeless state. Then the Lord entered it as Karvodaka Shai Vishnu. In the purport, from this verse, it appears that all the universes are floating in the causal ocean. That's the vision of the Paramahamsa. That out of this statement, 
we can understand that all universes are floating in the causal ocean. For over 1,000 years, the shining egg lay on the waters of the causal ocean in a lifeless state. Then the Lord entered as Garbhodaka Shai Vishnu. We want to repeat that. For over 1,000 years, the shiny egg lay on the waters of the causal ocean in a lifeless state. Then the Lord entered it as Garbhodaka Shai Vishnu. Om Ajnanti Mirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurum Miritanyana Tasmai Shri Garavainamaha I was born in the darkness of ignorance, our spiritual master Srila Prabhupada is opening the eyes with a torchlight of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisance unto him and to all members of Sri Parampara. <clears throat> So I was thinking that this is describing the opulences, some of the opulences of the Supreme Lord, which is very interesting to the devotee. And I was thinking, because I was reading in the Bhagavad Gita, the chapter on opulences of the Absolute, and Srila Prabhupada seems to bring out that, as we've heard many times before, that these things should be discussed in the company of devotees. And devotees will bring out the important essence of these verses, which I'm sure all of us will admit, or we're interested in hearing that whatever is happening in creation, I mean, in here we're talking about creation, relates to the Supreme Lord. It's like in that first verse, text 14, it says, separately unable to produce separately unable to produce the material universe. They combine with the help of the energy of the Lord. So devotees will keep in mind that the energy of the Lord is really what's important here. The main thing that's important. The potencies of the Lord that are really, you know, more or less in the background making things happen. Thus this shining egg was produced. And then it says the Lord entered to the, into the egg after a thousand years in the causal ocean. The Lord entered it as what? Karavadakashai Vishnu. So, that's another opulence spoken of there that the Lord enters in, in another form, Vishnu. Um, these things, you know, devotees want to know. And I read that devotees are listening to these kind of things because they are either completely freed from sinful reactions in life or they're on the path. Therefore, they can hear what's important. And in the Bhagavad Gita, I wanted to read a little bit from that. <clears throat> of course Srila Prabhupada states things much more nicely than I could but in chapter 10 the opulence of the absolute some nice statements in the first uh, three verses and purports first of all Srila Prabhupada is speaking to Arjuna and saying because you are my dear friend for your benefit I'll speak 
The dog likes to say hello to the workers out there. Because you are my dear friend, for your benefit I shall speak to you further, giving knowledge that is better than what I have already explained. Also, Srila Prabhupada points out that this starts out Sri Bhagavan Bhakti. And Bhagavan is the possessor, of course, as we've heard of all the opulences, six opulences. And as Srila Prabhupada says, when, when Bhagavan says something, it's finished. There's no argument after what Bhagavan says. The Bhagavan is speaking. And Srila Prabhupada says, I won't read the whole purport, but the last paragraph, Srila Prabhupada says, the more one hears about the Supreme God, the more one becomes fixed in devotional service. One should always hear about the Lord in the association of devotees. That will enhance one's devotional service. Discourses in the society of devotees can take place only among those who are really anxious to be in Krishna consciousness. Others cannot take part in such discourses. The Lord clearly tells Arjuna that because Arjuna is very dear to him, for his benefit such discourses are taking place. Text 2, uh, Sri Bhagavan says that neither the host of the demigods nor the great sages know my origin or opulences. For in every respect I am the source of the demigods and the sages. Srila Prabhupada says, here the Lord indirectly says that if anyone wants to know the absolute truth, quote, here I am present as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, I am the Supreme. One should know this. Although one cannot understand the inconceivable Lord who is personally present, he nonetheless exists. We can actually understand Krishna who is eternal, full of bliss and knowledge simply by studying his words in Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. The conception of God as some ruling power or as some impersonal Brahman can be reached by persons who are in the inferior energy of the Lord. But the personality of Godhead cannot be conceived unless one is in the transcendental position. And it says, because most men cannot understand Krishna in his actual situation, out of his causeless mercy he descends to show favor to such speculators. Yet, despite the Supreme Lord's uncommon activities, these speculators, due to contamination in the material energy, still think that the impersonal Brahman is the Supreme. Only the devotees who are fully surrendered unto the Supreme Lord can understand by the grace of the Supreme Personality that He is Krishna. The devotees of the Lord do not bother about the impersonal Brahman conception of God. Their faith and devotion bring them to surrender immediately to the Supreme Lord. And out of the causeless mercy of Krishna, they can understand Krishna. No one else can understand Him, so even great sages agree. What is Atma? What is the Supreme? What is it? It is He whom we have to worship. That reminds me of uh, that statement in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Really early in the second, or in the Adi Leela, probably like the second <coughs> chapter. Krishna's copyrights makes this nice statement that I offer my obeisance to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by whose mercy even a foolish child can swim across the ocean of conclusive truth, which is filled with the crocodiles of various theories. 
Even a child can cross over all that. We were hearing this morning, dear Odetta probably was reading from that book. Um, what is that? Swami in a Strange Land. Said that this uh, Dr. Stahl, he's a university professor, I'm not sure if he's Speaks on religion or Indology or what? But he was a, he was a linguistics. He's professor. a linguistic professor. Yeah. He was quibbling over when I joined. That was going on. He was quibbling with Prabhupada, having correspondence about His, words, no. trying to get out of um, admitting that the Gita was about Krishna being supreme. By so, interpretation of words, he was getting around that idea. No. That's what he was trying to draw the words. In fact, he said. Uh, kirtan, it just means to describe, to glorify, and then Prabhupada came back with, yeah, to describe and glorify whom? Who? <laughs> so Prabhupada nailed him. Mm -hmm. And therefore we published the whole thing with a triumphant ending with Prabhupada. Krishnakant is a genuine Vedic way. Mm. A little black and white book, but it was very cool. So interesting how people and who become experts in some little field like linguistics or you know we, we got into the campus there's this place that I like to duck into because of the air conditioning after we've been out there for three hours <laughs> it's that scientific part where they have a Mars exploration exhibit in there they're also trying to kind of get above their own little science to make some you know, philosophical points. So they have a thing up on the wall, a quote from Homer, who says that humans have been granted um, a position in this world. Oh, it's, no, it says heaven. Heaven has, uh, um, I don't know, granted or bequeathed or endowed man with some position under time to have dominion over it doesn't say dominion, but that's the idea. I wish I could remember. Every time I forget, I look at that and I say, I'm going to remember that, so if I have to talk about it, or if I want to talk about it. <laughs> and I can't. But Homer, or it says, this Homer, what is he? A poet, an ancient poet, epic poet. Yeah, yeah he wrote the Odyssey and what. So he wants to make a comment. He also wants to get, get out there a little bit and say that heaven, what heaven has. But what is heaven? How can heaven, does heaven have a consciousness to um, give, to give man uh, the, this place for his activities? That's what he's saying. As a, you know, heaven has, has to be a, a conscious being that does the, the, what, what's being referred to. I'll try again to remember that quote, even, but I don't even want it in my head necessarily. So, <laughs> but it's just an example of how they try to change things, you know. Heaven is doing this. What's that mean? The universe. Yeah. People say the universe. The universe is doing it. How's that happen? What can that be? <laughs> I think I was also thinking these things before I met Srila Prabhupada. So uh, I'm sure I was because I spent so many years studying science. Um, So anyway, uh, let me see here now. Let's go through this Bhagavad Gita verses. 
And uh, also I was thinking how, um, well there's a verse in, also in the Adi Lila, since we're mentioning that verse where, you know, a, a foolish person can, can understand conclusive truth by the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. And it says later in that same chapter is a verse that says, uh, it's a Siddhanta Bhuliyachite verse, that um, the conclusion to the scriptures should be understood by the devotee and not, you should not be lazy to, to not understand those things. Because by understanding them, we'll become fixed in Krishna. The mind will become firm. Siddhanta Bhaliyachite, we were, did you learn that verse? Siddhanta Bhaliyachite, Nakara Alas. Alas means lazy. Don't, don't let yourself be lazy not to understand the conclusions of the, the Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita. It says, Iha Hoite Krishna Lage. Lage means fixed. And Sudrita Manasa. Manasa is the mind, and Sudrita means like becoming firm. So, um, so uh, let me see uh, what I'm saying. Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Of course, there's many nice verses in the Brahma Sangita by Lord Brahma. And as we've heard, in the, I believe the second canto, Lord Rama was not a linguist or a, a professor of physiology or um, what is it? Even a religious studies major. <laughs> he was a <laughs> he was a. How can you describe Lord Rama? He's such. How can we describe the exalted state of Lord Rama? who had said in the second canto, sat in mature meditation for 1,000 celestial years. And still, he, he could only come to the conclusion that the Lord is inconceivable. But he made these amazing statements in Brahma, Brahma Sangita. And since I started with the, the idea that we're reading here about the opulences of the Lord, I just ha happened to notice that in all these verses of the Brahma Sangita, which uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur comments on, frequently he has these long purports that you can hardly untangle the sentences in those. They are so elevated, like in literary vocabulary and, and whatnot, that it's, at least for me, I can look at it and really have to work hard to figure out a sentence. But there's this one purport that relates to Vishnu. And it's a one-night purport, and it's so nice and so appropriate. But it's the uh, verse where uh, Lord Brahma, this exalted person who sat for so long, like we're saying, Lord Brahma says, I adore primeval Lord Govinda, who, I'm on the wrong verse here, wait a second. He says that the, the uh, lords of this mundane world remain alive only as long as one, one breath of 
Mahavishnu. We heard about Garbodaka Shai Vishnu entering the the, the uh, <clears throat> this Brahmanda, this egg laying in the causal ocean. Before that, Mahavishnu is expanded from Govinda. And Lord Brahma is saying, I worship Govinda. Who, and he's putting this in perspective, who is Govinda? He's the one who um, manifests Mahavishnu, the subjective portion. Mahavishnu is only a portion of the portion of Govinda. And these lords of the mundane world, Brahma, Shiva, Ganesh, all these people that are worshipped by so many people, they exist and they take shelter of only one breath of Mahavishnu, which is only a portion of a portion of Govinda. So the one line purport is, the supreme majesty of the subjective nature of Vishnu is shown here. So, opulence is in majesty, I just thought that was really, really nice. Um, the next statement from Lord Brahma is, I adore Lord, the primeval Lord Govinda, from whom the sub separated subjective portion Brahma receives his power for the regulation of the mundane world. He's talking about himself, of course. Just as the sun manifests some portion of his own light in all the effulgent gems that bear the names of Surya Kant. I wasn't going to read that part, but... He talks about... Um, Lord Govinda, whose lotus feet are always held by Ganesh upon the pair of tumuli protruding from his elephant head. Many, many people who come here are really fascinated with Ganesh. Whenever I'm in the gift shop working, they all want to know about the Ganesh Murtis. And um, they want to know what I know about Ganesh. And most of the time I tell them, I just don't know very much about Ganesh really. And they'll say right away, well, he impedes, he takes away the hindrances for a person's path through the material world. He helps them to have an auspicious path. <clears throat> this, these verses, in all these verses, <clears throat> in the Brahma Sangita and the Srimad Bhagavatam, they relate Ganesh to the Supreme Lord Govinda, which is the important part, which devotees will always emphasize. So, it is said that uh, Ganesh uh, obtains his power for his function of destroying all the obstacles in the path of progress in the three worlds from Govinda. And he holds the uh, lotus feet of Govinda in his tumuli, the tusks. Lord Ramah goes on to say the three worlds are composed of nine elements. I, I adore Lord Govinda from whom they originate, in whom they exist, and into whom they enter at the time of universal cataclysm. Talks about the sun, who is the king of all planets. I adore the primeval Lord in pursuance of whose order the sun performs his journey mounting the wheel of time. I adore the primeval Lord Govinda by whose conferred power are maintained the manifested potencies. The manifested potencies existing in all virtues, vices, the Vedas, penances, 
all jivas from Brahma to the meanest insect. No matter what you talk about in this world, Govinda is there. He's behind it all. He's the root of it all. But somehow, people in general, and we, me, can tend to forget when we're reading or thinking or experiencing our life in this world day to day. So easily we forget what's at the root and uh, what we should be worshiping with our activities and our mind, our senses, our bodies. So that's mostly what I was thinking of to, to say here. Um, and I wanted to quote some, before I quote some things from Bhaktivinoda Thakur, does anybody have any comments or corrections or questions? I have a question about the opulence of this causal ocean. Uh-huh. Like um, all these universes are like pervading it, and it's like Sri Radhaka Shai Vishnu is lying on that ocean. And it's like Karanodaka Shai Vishnu. Hmm? So, yeah, there's three. Shiro Kachai Vishnu is later, but anyway. I'm like that, I'm right. yeah. So, um, is it like, does that, do scientists have like a form, like a theory of that? Because I think of like the quantum theory about how like every decision we make. I doubt it very like seriously. a parallel universe or something. I doubt that they have any theory about that because that's beyond the material universes and they are still wondering if this universe is yet they can't see the limits of this one universe. So. That's why they only have like theories and no proof about like parallel universes, but that the determining factor is like our causes have these effects elsewhere. Like if I do one thing, then the alternate reality version of me would do the opposite or any variation that would, not, that would amount to infinite numbers of universes to toss my waves and such. <laughs> yeah, there's so many ways that they're you know, just like it says, the crocodiles of various theories are being, you know, this world is full of theories and the scientists are really sophisticated in bringing the understanding back to ourselves as center or the fact that there's some uh, random explanation, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, which is, seems totally ridiculous. I, I heard a nice explanation that if somebody took a whole lot of colored sand, sand of many different colors, and threw it on the floor, what would the odds be that that sand in all different colors would become some beautiful, organized, understandable painting? Or would it just be a slur of colors in sand? Which one would it be if somebody through that. <laughs> what, are the, what are the odds? Or how many times would you have to throw sand before it would come out to some organized thing like the universes? Or even just this one universe? And all the beings and all the organization that's in our body. The cells, they see even one, not even one cell, but one organelle of one cell, like a mitochondria. I've heard it said that it's as, as complicated as the city of New York, New York City. <laughs> That's an organelle within a cell, within the body of a, you know, a, uh, what do you call it, multicellular living entity. So scientists are struggling with some really, like, um, how do you say, some limited things. I don't know how they could, I don't know if any, they've 
tried to say how I speculated about the causal ocean. Do you know about that? I don't know. No, but uh, uh, I was, two things I was thinking was in 1978, Sarah Prabhu came out with this first uh, monograph. Mm-hmm. And it was called Demonstration by Information Theory that Life Cannot Arise you know, Randomly mm-hmm. Matter. And it, he's got a PhD in mathematics, and he proved mathematically Mm. that uh, evolution you know, can't, is, is impossible mathematically because you can't come up with all these sophisticated systems from random, random. Mm-hmm. but also I had a question for Elijah because it's not like you were saying, you were saying that this concept of multiverses they have yeah. they were positing free will there? no that free will is um, an aspect that um, for every conscious decision that we make, there's an ultimate version of us that made the conscious decision out of their own free will, just the opposite of that. So there is free will in their, in their idea. Yeah. And that's what accounts for the different universe, the different dimensions. That's why I wrote amounts of an infinite amount, because every very good bowl would be yeah. like as <laughs> microscopic as is the same. <laughs> Well, I think what they're not taking into account is how all of that is under the purview of, of laws of nature, which make everything very limited. We, yeah, we have free will, but we're not unlimitedly free. We're, we're, our free will is tiny. But uh, they're starting from a, a platform of we're independent, we're free, <laughs> which is, is an illusion. Excuse me, i got to go. Okay. There's another nice verse in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that I quoted before. Then I can read these statements by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. It says, Kaya mane, kaya namane. Sabatana das. Sabatana das is servant, and sabha means all. Tana, his. Tana, believe it or not, means his servant. Ye namane. Tarahoi, se papinash. Someone may accept him, someone may not accept him, yet all are his servants. One who does not accept him becomes ruined by his sinful activities. So, this is a statement by Krishnadas Kaviraj. And uh, so, like we were saying that uh, by the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, even a foolish child can cross the ocean of conclusive truth, which is filled with the crocodiles of various theories. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has emphasized the chanting of the holy names. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur has written some statements which come from Adi Purana, which I read some time ago, but probably we've forgotten them. I've forgotten them. And my friend, uh, who is it? Rami Bhakta Prabhu sent me these again over the phone, so I figured maybe Krishna's speaking to me to tell me to read these again. So this is about the this is the glorification of the chanting of the holy names. Anybody have any other statements before I read these? Comments? Okay, there is no vow like the chanting of the holy names. No no knowledge superior to it. There's no meditation which comes anywhere near it, and it gives the highest result. There's no penance. No penance is equal to it, and nothing is as potent or as powerful as the holy name. 
Chanting is the greatest act of piety and the supreme refuge. Even the words of the Vedas do not possess sufficient power to describe its magnitude. Chanting is the highest path to liberation, peace, and eternal life. It is the pinnacle of devotion, the heart's joyous proclivity and attraction, and the best form of remembrance of the Supreme Lord. The Holy Name has appeared solely for the benefit of the living entities as their Lord and Master, their supreme worshipful object, and their spiritual guide and mentor. Whoever continuously chants Lord Krishna's holy name, even in his sleep, can easily realize that the name is a direct manifestation of Krishna himself, in spite of the influences of Kali Yuga. Isn't that nice? Everybody here chanting at least one round of Hare Krishna mantra a day? Huh? You do, you do, you have feedback. You're, you're practicing your japa, then how much do you do? Can you say, is that a... I have just started. <laughs> do one, one round a day? Uh, two rounds minimum. Oh, good. That's great. That'll come up in time. So, anyway. Is that it? Or Rantarad Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. I wanted to read the verses again. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. That was uh, 13 14? Yeah. It was. It was uh, 13 14.